awesome is that, being able to give gifts this morning? Who's enjoying summer? One person. I, I'm much, I'm a, I do enjoy waking up in the morning and it not being freezing cold. I do, I do like that about summer. But I was listening to a podcast in the last month. They all blend in, weeks blend into one. But the, the person talking was talking about the person who said, uh, money doesn't make you happy, happy, never gave any away. And for me, when it comes to gift giving, it's, we're not putting cash here on the, on, the, on the stage, but we're using our money to give. And how happy does that make you feel? I love, I love that opportunity that we have to be able to give. But um, if you're new to One Heart Church, we're so glad you've joined with us here at our 9am service. And, and if you're new to faith, you might be new to a church like this or new to church. Our desire, our hope is that you would know the real Jesus, that you would know the Jesus that, who we've been singing about. We've been singing about this Jesus. And that's we're coming into Christmas. And our desire is that you would know Jesus the way that we know Jesus. And that's our heart. And that's why we come and gather as a church. It's because we believe Jesus has a purpose, not just for our life, but for your life also. And just an update for Pastor Rob and Pauline. They will be back next week. Woo, everyone says. But uh, Pastor Rob, he is in the movement of churches that we're involved in, the ACC, the Australian Christian Churches. He is our state vice president. And he was at the... Um, of, of South Australia, he was in the southeast region um, at their pastors gathering on Thursday, ministering there. This morning, he's preaching in Bordertown, and so he'll be back next week. So that's where Pastor Rob and Paulina. And just for myself, I want to honour our pastors preaching right now. This is an opportunity; it's a privilege, and I don't take it lightly. So I honour them and thank them for giving me the opportunity to share this morning. But let's get into it. Well, not I went to school. Believe it or not, I went to Navigator College and. When I moved to Port Lincoln, I was at Navigator College, and I had a student in my class called Brad, but we didn't call Brad Brad. We called Brad Woodner. Now, why do we call Brad Woodner? Because he came from Woodner. But our nickname wasn't just that, like, easy done, oh, he's from Woodner, we'll call him Woodner. No, every time you talk to Brad, he would somehow bring the conversation back to a story from Woodner. And so every day... um, He'd be like, oh, we're talk, talking about this, we're talking about that. Back in Woodner. Another conversation. Oh, back in Woodner. Everything that you would talk about would bring Brad to he'd go, oh, that reminds me of a time back in Woodner. So then we just started calling him Woodner because he'd be like, back in Woodner this, back in Woodner that. So we'd be like, hey, Woodner, do you want to come kick the footy? Hey, Woodner, do you want to go to the canteen? But the interesting thing is with my, uh, my relationship with this guy called Brad at school and calling him Woodner, it reminds me of so much about Jesus. When we look at the book of Matthew, every time Jesus speaks, he talks about where he comes from. He talks about where he's from. Brad would talk about the stories of Woodner. Jesus talks about where he came from. And we're going to look at some verses this morning in the book of Matthew that reveal to us Jesus telling us where he came from. Matthew 3, 2. Now, before, the, before we get to Jesus, John the Baptist says this, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Interesting. Then we jump to chapter 4, verse 17. Now, this is what Jesus is saying. For the, uh, from then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I shared this last time I preached, I believe, that I used to read those two verses and think, Jesus, you sneaky little sermon stealer. That was John's message. Get your own, Jesus. But then I remember when I got the revelation of what I was actually saying, we know the story about John, that John actually ends up being beheaded. And 
the, the revelation that I got was the fact that, no, Jesus wasn't stealing the message. When, when the enemy wants to try and silence the voice of the gospel, the spirit will arise a voice from somewhere else. Where we might go, this is what the enemy's trying to shut off here. Well, the spirit of God says, no, well, I'm going to arise a voice up somewhere else. doesn't matter what the enemy does. The spirit of God still moves. I love the fact that I see legislation around Australia being promoted that wants to shut the voice of the church. But I still believe in Joel chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, that in the last days, the spirit of God will be poured out. That you try and silence this voice, well, the spirit of God is going to move in another way. The spirit of God keeps on moving. But we see here, so Jesus starts his journey. Um, Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Then we get to chapter 5, and so uh, Matthew 5 to 7 is what we know as the Sermon of the Ma- on the Mount. So it's three chapters of one big sermon. And then it's interesting, in this sermon, Jesus keeps talking about where he came from. So uh, it starts with these things what we call as the B attitudes. So there are eight statements, they're blessings from God. What does the first blessing say? Uh, 5 verse 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Then we get to number eight, God blesses, which is verse 10, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Then we get down to the Lord's Prayer in uh, chapter 6, verse 10. May your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we get to verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else, or some translations say seek first the kingdom of God, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Jesus, we see in that sermon, keeps referring to where he came from, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He keeps coming back to that fact. Then Jesus, every time he preaches, he often uses these things, what we call parables. And in the book of Matthew, again, there's just parable after parable about the kingdom of God. Chapter 13 has heaps of parables in here. says this, um, verse 10 and 11, he's talking, about the, the, he's talking about the parable of sowing seed in the soil. And then it says this, uh, he, this story is revealing to us what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he, he's saying, we are to understand the secrets of the kingdom. That's what that parable is talking about. We get to verse 24, and he tells a story about the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he tells that story. Verse 31, he has another illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the mustard seed. Verse 33, another illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like, and he talks about yeast and how that affects the dough in bread. Verse 44 to 45, the kingdom of heaven is like. It talks about a hidden treasure and a pearl. Verse 47, the kingdom of heaven is like. And he talks about a fishing net that brings in fish. He keeps referring to this. We get to chapter 18, verse 23. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king. And then he's talking about an unforgiving debtor. Chapter 20, verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard and then who who gets workers all during the day. Another one, chapter 22, verse 2, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a king who prepared a wedding feast for a son. Chapter 22, verse 1, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids or virgins, five wise and five foolish. Verse 14, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated and he talks about the three servants and talents. One gets... Five, one gets three, and one gets one. Whew! Jesus loves talking about the kingdom because that was where he's from. His kingdom, the, and what is he talking about? The way we're meant to live. His kingdom is how, as believers, we are meant to live. And so this morning, I want to talk about some kingdom agenda. 
What is the heart of the kingdom that we can be living and flourishing in? Because it's the way Jesus wants us to live. So number one for point one, a heart for souls. A kingdom agenda has a heart for souls. And so in Luke 15, uh, Jesus is being criticized by the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day for hanging out with scum. Hanging out with people that, are, uh, that, are, that we would say are wicked, evil, have no right to be among the righteous. But Jesus is, tells you three stories, three parables to explain to us as believers as why he hangs out with these people. Why does he have a heart? Why does the kingdom put uh, value on these people when we would, would say, no, we should avoid, we should back away? And so the first one is a lost sheep. Then the next one is a lost coin. And the third one is the lost son or the prodigal son. And I'll, we'll start with the lost sheep, right? It's, I'll tell a story. Back maybe 10 years ago, I was in school again. And the, the human body is amazing. Do I have an agreement? What our body can achieve is amazing. And uh, as a teenage boy, I, my body was in sync. It was well programmed. And so I would, I would, school would finish. I would go to my parents' car. And this one day, uh, Dad picked me up with my sisters and said, Jot, and so my... The, the, my I want to try and keep this uh, for church. Uh, I, I had a lifestyle and I had this pattern in my life that when I would sit in the car, I would engage in antisocial behavior. And so my father would s- said to me, Josh, if you engage in that antisocial behavior again, you can walk home. Empty threats, Dad. Empty threats. So the next day, it's on a Friday. Just some context of the story. My sister Mariah, she had been in Canberra at a school camp. And so she's coming back Friday pumped. She is so excited to tell the stories of what she's got up to at camp and, and she, f- fully engaged. That's, that's, we need that context. So then I get into the car Friday after school and I get again, engage in antisocial behavior. And so dad goes, that's it. You're walking home. So then uh, I'm dropped off and then now being smart, I'm like, I'm not walking home. I know if I can run to the bus stop, I'll catch the bus home and perfect. And in those days, now, if you think of a mobile phone, you think of some screen. Back in my day, my (laughs) phone had these things called buttons on them, right? And then I I only had one game on my phone, Snake. And it was the addition that didn't go through the walls. You had to stay within the confines, right? So um, because my phone could literally, no such thing as data, it literally text or call. And so because my phone's pretty useless, I just left it at home that day. And... I, uh, I get home and then I, to get my phone later. So uh, to go back to the story, then my sister Mariah gets picked up uh, from the airport, ready to tell all her stories of, oh, I did this in Canberra, I did that in Canberra, and my parents do not care about her stories in Canberra. They're looking for their lost son. Because then because I ran to the bus stop, they went back to the road I was on. He's gone, he's missing. They're, they're thinking, has he been abducted? Some of you may remember my parents coming to your house, knocking on the door going, is Josh here? Is Josh here? Because they were looking for their lost son. They didn't have an attitude of going, oh, we still got three daughters. Oh, well. <laughs> no. They had a heart for their lost son. And, and I feel sorry for Mariah, but the story to me reveals to me the, the heart of the father going, no, no, no. Like, I, I do want to care about your story, Mariah, but there's something bigger here. My son is missing. My son's not here. I want my son. So I get home, turn, go, get the spare key, because my bag was in dad's car, get, break into the house legally, find my phone, turn on, 20 missed calls, 
hey, mom, what's going on? Where are you? Oh, at home. How'd you get there? But the, the moral of the story is parents love their children. And we look at the, the lost sheep, and we can look at it economically and go, it's still got 99. No, but the good shepherd loves the lost sheep. The good shepherd has a heart for the lost sheep. And then we see the prodigal son, and, and it's a very similar situation. And it's so interesting to me because uh, the son gets to the lowest of the low in life and goes, I need to go home. I've got to go back to my father. I've got to go back to my father's house. And the son thinks he's going back to the father, but he doesn't realize the father was always looking for him. The father had never stopped desiring and longing for him. And then the saddest part is about this story that Jesus tells is the, the uh, I guess, the perspective of the older brother. And we don't want to have the heart of the older brother where he, he's talking to his father and says, this son of yours, wow, what a horrible way to view life. This son of yours, so this brother of mine, but he can see him only as a, the son of the father. And we've got to have a heart for our community that that's not the son of God, it's our brother. It's our sister. It's our sibling. They're not just a child of God. They're actually our sibling. And we've got to have a heart of compassion to go, no, we're not just going to be grumpy and mean, but we're going to have a spirit of the father, not of the older brother, and say, no, we care for the one. We care for the lost. As Jesus says in John 3 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is the heart of the Father. That is the heart of the kingdom. A heart for souls. That we don't just believe in the temporary. We have a passion for the eternal. Luke 19.10, talking about the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus ends that situation. This isn't a parable. This is real life. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And I love the line that Jesus tells in the parable, though, with the prodigal son. At the very end here, it says this. Uh, The Father is celebrating, and he says, uh, this is a, a day to celebrate. It's a happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Now, we know that story. That prodigal son was never dead physically, but he was dead spiritually. There's something dead on the inside, and that's what we're talking about, the soul. And so we've got to have a passion and a heart that people, they may be lost physically, but they're dead spiritually. And we are here as a church to see people come alive spiritually, that we have a heart for their soul. We, don't, we look beyond their physical nature and look to their spiritual needs and say, no, we're here to have the heart of Christ, the heart of the kingdom, to see the lost saved. And I love in every single one of those stories, it talks about, come celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Come, celebrate with me. Hey, I lost my coin. Come, rejoice with me. I, I, lost, I found my lost son. Let's kill the fattened calf and have a spit. Let's go. But there's this thing of celebration, rejoicing, having fun. And I want a rowdy church. I want a church that is, that is making noise, that celebrates. Every time that baptismal tank is open and people are getting dunked. I want a church that's alive with passion because we have a heart of the kingdom. We have a heart for souls. Amen. Point two. A heart that forgives. Oh, now we're getting real. Matthew 18, Jesus talks about the parable of the unforgiving debtor. And so Peter comes up to Jesus and asks him, this is verse 21, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? The perfect number? Verse 22, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who uh, decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors who brought uh, who was brought in owed him millions of dollars. You've got to take a, mo- a picture of that. Millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So the master ordered that he, uh, he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. That's awkward. Jesus is talking about slavery. Verse 26, But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master, who was filled with pity for him, uh, he released him and forgave his debt. Verse 28, But when the man who, le- uh, who left the king, he went to follow to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me. I'll pay it, he pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had, he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other uh, servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That is why my heavenly father, that is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. I've heard it said, we judge others by, uh, sorry, look, where I start again. We judge ourselves by our own intentions and everyone else by their actions. And I love this quote. Sometimes you've got to be kind to others, not because they're nice, but because you are. We've got to forgive people, not because they deserve it, but because you're not a hypocrite. We've got to understand that. Sometimes we've got to forgive other people not because they deserve forgiveness, but because we're not a hypocrite. We've received a million-dollar debt forgiveness from Christ. We have eternal salvation, yet we can't forgive trivial things here on earth. And I don't want to make light of hurt. I don't want to make light of brokenness and things that happen. But in the scale of eternity, we have been forgiven millions, yet we refuse to forgive thousands. And, and we've got we to have a maturity of our faith and go, no, no, no. I've got to take the word of God seriously and go, God, there's no room in my heart for bitterness. There's no room in my heart for offense. There's no room in my heart for revenge. There's no room in my heart because I have a heart of the kingdom. I have a heart that forgives. I have a heart that seeks restoration. I have a heart that, as we saw in point one, I have a heart for the lost. If we care for the lost, we will not let offense and pride dictate the culture of our heart. As for me and my heart, I will have a heart of forgiveness. I will have a heart that releases. I will have a heart that bitterness can't stick in Jesus' name. And then in Matthew 5, looking back at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching about loving your enemies. And he says this, You have heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Because we often talk about why does bad things happen to good people? The question should be, why does good things happen to bad people? It's because God loves everyone equally. 
Verse 46, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And what I love about this is that Jesus didn't just teach it, he lived it. Hanging on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus didn't just preach these messages. This was his lifestyle. He didn't just preach the kingdom. He lived the kingdom. Stephen, the first Christian martyr for our faith, he's getting stoned to death. And what's he say? Father, don't put this sin upon them. The the exact wording is, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Mate, that, that blows my mind away. Getting stoned to death having rocks pelted at you and having the heart to say, God, forgive them. God, I forgive them. I have no envy in my heart towards them. I love them. They're my my brothers and sisters that just don't know you yet. Wow. But that is the heart of, of the church. That is the heart of the kingdom that we can forgive. And so what Jesus was saying, though, when he's talking about loving your enemies, is that the, the people have twisted the law, talking about, because the law was meant for justice. Uh, and Jesus, it's changed. He says, love, uh, I'll say it like this more. Love isn't proven when life is good. Love is proven when we are broken. That is when we truly know when love is. And anyone can love it when ha- life's happy and rejoicing. But we, true love is proven when we are broken. Love is proven when we've been backstabbed. Love is proven when we're the subject of gossip. Love is proven when we're hurt, rejected, offended. And that is the truth of when we are showing love. Uh, there's a story I, I saw in this year, early in the year, in Victoria, a politician w- was uh, wrongly accused, booted out of their political party, yet their heart had a heart of forgiveness and going, you know what, the, the party has rejected me, but I, don't, I choose not to reject the party. And I think, wow, what, what an understanding that is going, no, we still love this party, the party may not <laughs> appreciate me, but I still have a love for the party. And I want that to be my lifestyle on a regular basis, that I will not let the toxicness, the bitterness of society get on me, or of situations, but I would say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on the word of God, and I'm going to choose to let God get onto my heart and forgive me, because I want a heart that forgives, because that's a kingdom agenda. Brian Houston, we had him a few weeks ago, says this, no mature believer seasoned in the word has any reasonable excuse to live their life offended. So easy to say, so hard to live. But that's the truth. When we, when we understand the word of God, when we let that marinate in our hearts, when we let that saturate our hearts, we go, you know what? I can't afford to have enemies. People may not like me, but I choose to love them. Because when I'm seasoned in the word, when I understand that I'm here to be salt and light, I let that dictate my life and I live fruitfully from it. Craig Groeschel, another big pastor in America. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Attacks are going to come. Hurt's going to come. There's no doubt people are going to hurt us. But we have a choice. Do we let, let ourselves be hurt? Or do we choose to be forgive, release, and be like Jesus? And I want to be like Jesus. I want a heart to forgive. Last point, number three, a heart that serves. In Matthew 20, Jesus teaches about serving others. And he says this. Uh, the story, the situation comes that uh, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to Jesus and it says that she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. And then so verse 21, what is your request? Jesus asked her. 
She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. Verse 24, we'll skip down. When the other 10 disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Man, what, what an interesting, again, situation. Jesus is always finding himself in these, these situations where con- conflict arises. And he goes, you know what? Oh, I can teach kingdom agenda here. I see the thoughts and patterns of this world. Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jesus is, is giving a, a situation here. We're going, you know what? You have a worldly viewpoint right now. I'm going to bring a heavenly perspective into this. And I love these, these quotes here. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. Another one. If serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. And we've got to understand that's what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. You think leadership and authority is all about your power to rule people and have people serve you. But it's like, no, 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 the, the, the mindset's wrong. The kingdom mindset, the kingdom agenda is we're here to serve. We're here to help. We don't have a, a gift-giving service here at One Heart because we're going, come on, bring us gifts for our kids. No, because we have a heart. We're here to serve the community. We're not here for the community to give us gifts. We're here to give gifts to the community because we've got a heart of the kingdom. Then Matthew 5, back to the Sermon on the Mount, 38 to 42. Jesus is teaching about revenge. But I, 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 and so it says here, You have heard the law that says uh, punishment must match the injury. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not re- resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If your suit in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. The music team can come back and join me. I love this fact here. Jesus is talking about the law and the, I, I believe the purpose of the law was justice. If someone like uh, takes out your eye, justice says an eye should be taken from them. Justice says if someone steals your goat, justice says a goat should be paid back to you. And that was the heart of the law, was justice and healthy communal living. But unfortunately then, uh, as time progresses, the the law got twisted for revenge. Oh, you've hurt me? (laughs) Time to pay back. You've affected me? Well, I'm going to make sure I get my revenge. And it's like, the heart of the law was never revenge. The heart of the law was to reveal the justice of God, that God is just, that God is righteous. And so Jesus has having to, when he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he's trying to declare to the people, no, 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 we've got to move away from this justice mindset that's turned into revenge to, no, no, what is the heart of service? What is, because at the end there it says, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You are there to serve. So it's not even talking about revenge. He's talking about the heart of the kingdom. It's a heart to serve. It says, if someone, a soldier wants you to carry their stuff a mile, serve them another mile. Because that's the heart of the kingdom.
King Nebuchadnezzar going, oh, how can you help me, officer? No, no, how can I help you, officer? It's the heart of the kingdom. We're here to serve. And so we never graduate from serving in the kingdom of God. Don't ever let language come out of your lips that say, oh, oh someone else can do that now. That's someone else's job. No, no, no. We are here to serve. We are here to make a difference. I was, I was listening to another podcast about prosperity. And it was, it was interesting because often we view prosperity as, wow, look at that house. Wow, look at their houses. Wow, they're taking a helicopter to church. Right? We, we can look at prosperity like that, just opulent wealth. We can look at prosperity going, wow, look at their car. Wow, look at their cars. But prosperity is in the eyes of God isn't measured by the stuff you've accumulated. Prosperity is measured about how, what you give away, how you use what you've been given to serve others. So you might have the nicest car, but prosperity say, no, I've got an upgraded car, I've got another 12 seats because I'm picking up people for church. Because we're moving from going, I've been blessed with a vehicle, to going, I've been blessed with a vehicle to serve others. That's the reason for prosperity. God wants to bless us, not for us to have the biggest mansion in Port Lincoln. Fantastic if that happens. But we've been blessed to be a blessing. And that's why he says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you would be a blessing. He was the most prosperous man, so that everything that he touched blessed those around him. And so we want to have a heart of the kingdom that's a heart to serve and that's what we want we want to have a heart we want a kingdom agenda in our lives we want to have a heart that reflects kingdom principles and so why don't we stand as we come to a conclusion and i want you to ponder this question holy spirit what are you saying to me i believe holy spirit's here right now with us and i want us to ask a question holy spirit what are you saying to me all three of those points might be talking to you right now maybe just one of them but we've got to ask the question holy spirit what are you saying to me and we're going to sing. And as we sing, I want you to ponder that question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me this morning? What are those things? Lord, do I have a heart for the lost? Lord, do I have a heart that forgives? Lord, do I have a heart that wants to serve? Because I want to have a kingdom agenda in my life. And so as we sing, why don't we just ponder that right now? And you just pray to yourself and go, God, change this in me. Lord, change that in me. And, and I'll pray, and I want to, and I'll pray, and we'll just see how things um, close up. All that I am is yours. I worship your majesty. I worship your holy name. Jesus, my
as, as, we, as we come to a close, the, the question is, God, do we have a heart for souls? And if that was you and you say in this place, yeah, I probably don't have a heart for souls like the Father wants me to have a heart for souls. I've got a prayer that I'd like you to pray every day this week. A prayer that you could pray uh, for as long as you live. Pray it hourly. And the prayer is simply this. Father, bring someone across my path that I may share the good news. Bring someone across my path that I may share the good news. If we want to have a heart for souls, we're going to start declaring that prayer. God, today, when I go to this supermarket, bring someone across my path that I may share the good news. When I go, when I go to this business today, Lord, give me a heart that, that I may see something differently, that I would pray. Lord, bring someone across my path that I may share the good news. For those of us that find ourselves in the camp of that, uh, we, we can't forgive. There's bitterness, there's brokenness. This morning, we've got to pray the prayer. God, re, re, help me release this. Help, uh, help me, this person that has caused me grief, this person that's caused me offence, Lord, help me let it go. Help me release it. Help me have love again. Help, give me eyes to see them the way that you see them, Lord. That I can grow beyond this. That I don't live in immaturity, Lord, but I can live in maturity. And finally, a heart to serve. We just got to pray, God, give me humility. Lord, change me afresh. Lord, help me see that I'm here to benefit others. When you go to work this week, have a declaration. I'm not here for what the boss does for me. I'm here for what I can do for my boss. That's a simple thing of humility. When you go to work this week, I'm not here for what the boss can. The boss isn't there to help me. I'm there to help my boss. And there's simple things that we can do to say, God, we're choosing to be hands and feet of Jesus. When, when Ruth talks about the donuts, I can serve at the donuts. The community's not there to bless me. I'm there to bless the community. So I'm going to pray and we can wrap. Father, we just thank you so much that you've sent Holy Spirit to us to convict us, to encourage us, and to empower us to be the agents of the kingdom of God in the world that we live. Lord, we thank you so much that you forgave us. Lord, we thank you that you, you've put your love towards us. And we don't want to live lives that are hypocritical, that we receive forgiveness, but don't give forgiveness. Change us, Lord. Break our hearts for that which breaks yours. May we live on purpose for the things that please you. Lord, we right now just pray that you'd give us a heart for, to, uh, to forgive. Lord, we ask that you'd give us a heart for souls. Lord, that we would live a life that we would say, God, bring someone across our path today that we may share the good news. And Lord, ultimately, Lord, may we understand that we're here to serve. We're not here for men to serve us. We're here to serve men, to serve humanity, to see Port Lincoln and the Lower Air Peninsula blessed because we're on mission to live life that is on purpose for you. And so, God, we just thank you that you're moving in our lives and that we can walk in your likeness and we can be your true children that are perfect, just like you, our Father in heaven, is perfect. In Jesus' name.